from slum to all the way to the tippy top. Pain versus productivity. How to turn your pain into your most significant asset. There's no denying that life is full of pain. But what if we told you that your pain could be the very thing that propels you to success? Alina Fernandez, the positive mom, explains how to turn your pain into your biggest asset and use it as motivation to achieve anything you want in life. I'm so excited for you today to meet our guest, Alina Fernandez, and stay tuned for the Wellness Driven Ride. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Welcome again, everyone. And it is my honor to introduce you to one of the most amazing women I have met. Let me introduce you. Alina's mission is to help moms break cycles, find peace, and feel whole, feel whole so that they can become peaceful, present, playful, and on purpose. She created the Positive Mom Community, a free space to help aspiring mom entrepreneurs turn their painful stories into best-selling books, profitable courses, and well-crafted, impactful talks so they can earn passive income as inspiring messengers and digital entrepreneurs. As a single mom of four daughters and having experienced extreme poverty, she knows firsthand that when moms process their trauma, they can raise their children in a positive environment. This prevents and buffers adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, fosters healthy achievement, through childhood and adolescence, and creates a general ripple effect that heals the world. Alina loves her work because moms can enjoy the time, space, and resources to invest in their healing by turning their stories into income streams. As the first immigrant to the United States and her family, she's committed to being a powerful advocate of diversity, inclusion, and representation and a voice for underrepresented, marginalized, and oppressed communities who deserve to be honored and treated with dignity and respect. When she's on the stage, she weaves the tragedy, trauma, and turmoil she's endured into her storytelling to inspire moms to validate their pain so they can feel seen, safe, and supported, and help others do the same. She knows we can all create a positive destiny, no matter how painful our story is. Please welcome Alina Fernandez. Hi, Alina. Hi, April. Oh, so good to be here with you. Such an honor. Oh, thank you. And, you know, the feeling is the same. So 
Wow. I mean, you come from such a colorful background in history and the things that you have done with that and turned it around. Please share your story. Thank you. Well, April, you know my story, which is, you know, why we're here. And I'm really, really humbled to be in this space. And I know what a change maker you are. And and that's why you wanted to share my story with your audience, because you're all about giving, generosity, and transformation. So thank you. And yeah, so I grew up in a slum, like you said, in extreme poverty. And at a very early age, I started to believe things that were untrue about who I am as a human being. I started to believe that I was ugly, that I was unworthy, that I didn't deserve to be alive. And surrounded by so much dysfunction, not only in my home, but in my neighborhood. And, and just thinking that really I was born to experience pain. So my relationship with pain started really, really, really early. And I started to believe that in order for me to be accepted, that in order for me to be liked, to be received, that I needed to do things, to perform, to be productive, to, to really present myself as someone that had it all together and to align my identity with what I did and not with who I was. And so that's that's the, the journey, how it started. But uh, thankfully at seven years old, I had an experience that transformed my life where I experienced the power of a vision. And I was seven years old and my brother and I had just come back from fetching water in the slum. And we came you know, on the path from the river, got home, and we just looked at each other and we we're so excited because we got to go to the landfill to play. <laughs> and um, in this landfill, we always found something fun, something that somebody else threw in the trash that became our treasure. And this day was not different, but it would be absolutely transformational because I found a magazine in which I saw a picture of the kids that I wanted to become, that I wanted my brother and I to be kids with lots of laughs and, you know, laughter and joy. Uh, they had books, they had toys, they had present parents. So everything that I saw had the feeling and the energy of everything that I desired. So I decided in my seven-year-old brain that, that this is what I needed to learn what these kids knew. And because the magazine was in English, I said, if I learn this language, I surely will have this life. And that started my path of, of having something to look forward to, having something to strive for, having a vision to, to really inspire me to move forward in my life and to, to be someone, to stretch into being someone that I didn't know to be. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Wow. And I personally have had the pleasure of hearing that incredibly powerful story. And, you know, you're, you're so descriptive and so great at telling it. 
you know, in, in your descriptive words and just really creating the environment where people feel what that must have been like for you. And so thank you for sharing that story. I, I, I can just place myself there and feel what it would be like to be looking at this magazine and wanting and desiring. And what a brilliant child you were. May I add to to consider that if you learned this other language, that that would benefit you. Wow. I, I mean, just the consideration of that at a young age. So um, it makes a lot of sense why you are where you're at today. And, you know, just turning it too into servitude. And so much of what we hear is, you know, when we serve others, you know, then we, we really, truly excel. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to know what, um, why did you create the community that you created? What led to that? Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's a great segue into this because, you know, um, I went through so much in my life after this happened and and i still had this vision that one day i was going to have this this magazine life you know mm -hmm. where where all of my dreams were coming true um and fast forward you know i never was that child even though i kept on striving and growing and so many times i found myself feeling angry that i never really had that and yet there was one time when i moved to the united states and I figured, you know, my children are going to have this life. And once again, I found myself in a very dysfunctional situation, you know, again, experiencing violence, again, experiencing poverty. And I was, you know, on the ground in the fetal position, you know, just feeling the cold tile on my cheek and just thinking, this is, what I'm experiencing again, I was 28 years old. I had a one and a two year old daughter. And in that moment, I felt so alone. I felt like I didn't know where to go. I felt, you know, as an immigrant to this country, like I don't know where to go or what to do. I didn't know how to drive. But then I remembered that magazine and that life, that dream that I that I had of giving my children, that I dreamt it for me. But as you said, it turns out that when we dream it for other people, it's way more powerful. And so I started feeling that dream for my girls and remembering that that's why I learned English. Because now I'm in this country, I know English, and I could communicate with other moms and let them know that they're not alone. Uh, and so in that from those dark moments that we experience, that we can glean lessons that we can teach to others. And that's when I started desiring to, to not only give my children that life and utilize what I learned, which was the English language and the power of storytelling, but also to give hope and, and provide healing to other moms who have been through that. And that's what we need. We need a community when we're in pain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you have so much experience with this now. It's been many, many years since you began this community. What, when did you start it? Yeah. So it was in 2004. Okay. You know, very shortly. Yeah. 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 So I, I have been really striving to tell my story in so many different ways in an authentic way so that so that moms in all over the world they reach 168 countries now which wow. is really incredible <laughs> and humbling you know and yeah. to know that it came from a magazine that i didn't understand to now reaching so many women worldwide and knowing that 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 community over the years have grown to be a sisterhood, a sacred place for women to understand that the, the language of pain is universal, that we all experience painful moments in our lives. And that, you know, one thing that I'm very adamant about, because when people hear my story of, of all the violence that I've been through, including being kidnapped, 
and and raped and all of the things that have happened in my life, they say, wow, Elena, you've been through so much. But truly and really, we all have been through so much. And even when we don't recognize it, and I call that the three Ds, deny, dismiss, downplay. Mm-hmm. And okay. when, yeah, when we do that, we compare our pain to somebody else's. Right. And we deny ourselves from healing. But truly and really, if we are feeling pain, is valid. The experience has nothing to do with that. As a matter of fact, I know, April, that you and I learn from mentors all the time. And one of my mentors, Gabor Mate, he says, trauma is not what happens to you. It's what happens inside of you as a result of what happened to you. So if we see like, oh, but... I only went through this or it wasn't that much. No, it's how you feel it and how you experience it that most matters. Yeah. Well, and you talked a little bit about, you know, needing to process. And I want to go back to you saying that you were experiencing similar repeats in life. And so I'm curious with all of the people that you've had the pleasure of over all of these years to mentor and talk to and relate to, are you finding a pattern within people where, where they're having similar things reoccur? Yes, because, you know, when we experience trauma, we are sabotaged for the rest of our lives until we process and heal it by two lies it was my fault or i can fix it Mm. so the thing that happens is that if we blame ourselves and we think that something is wrong fundamentally with us then we are presented with more situations so that we we understand and accept that it wasn't our fault and until we do that and give ourselves that grace and that validation, we're going to continue to be presented those opportunities. And the other one is, I can fix it. So as much as you desire, you know, what you speak, what you be careful, what you wish for, right? So Mm -hmm. if we want to fix a situation that happened in the past, our subconscious is going to continue to attract the situations. And so that's why my most beautiful desire is for women like myself to break cycles because I was stuck in those cycles of pain because I wasn't allowing myself that downtime to heal it. Wow. Yeah. Those are incredible tips. And I I definitely, what I'd like to do is we're going to go to a short commercial and then I want to rehash those tips just really quickly so our audience really understands that because I think there's so much power in it where, yes, the cycles um, aren't broken until we're intentional on that. So let me put us into a commercial and we'll be right back. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Hi, I'm April Hove, the Managing Director of the Fort Worth, Texas chapter of eWomen Network. I'm so excited that you stopped to watch this video. I've got good news for you. You have just discovered an international network of women entrepreneurs who are committed to helping you achieve, succeed, and prosper. We are on a mission to help 1 million women entrepreneurs each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. 
Here at eWomen Network, we have a complete success system that supports you every step of the way in building and growing your business. You being here right now is no accident. We're supposed to know about you. We want to meet you to find out how we can help you as well as learn about what you have to offer. With over 500,000 women connecting through 118 chapters across the US, Canada, Australia, and the UK, you are never alone. If this is resonating with you, please go to eWomenNetwork.com slash Fort Worth. Notice too, my contact information. I invite you to reach out to me and check out our upcoming in-person and online events. I am really looking forward to introducing you to our community. All right. So um, welcome back. And if you don't mind, Alina, just kind of going over briefly again, because I think there's, there's again, so much power in the understanding and realization of these cycles that we can get into. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we have those two lies that tell us it's my fault. I can fix it. And usually we start as a child to... Mm -hmm believe those lies because we don't know how to understand the world and and the people usually that are uh, in charge or that should be in charge of telling us to understand the world are people sometimes who hurt us or who don't mean to hurt us but they neglect us and those are yeah. the two main uh, causes of trauma so we go in the world as that child as that wounded child wanting to fix them, wanted to take fault. And that's where we went, We end up people-pleasing. We end up in dysfunctional relationships. We end up overperforming and seeking perfectionism. So this is how we sabotage ourselves. And the way to stop sabotaging is, number one, to acknowledge that we've been through trauma, that in saying, yes, this was hard, and that's called validation. Of yeah. course, that was hard for me. It wouldn't be hard for me now because I'm an adult, but I need to look back at the time or maybe I didn't know what, what was happening because many of these things happen as adults as well. And we take on these beliefs and to understand and validate that pain and then give us time, give ourselves time to process that pain. And there are many ways to process the pain, but the first, you know, I would say tip that I have and strategy is to share your story, which is why mm -hmm. I help moms craft this, their story. Because as you start shedding these beliefs onto paper, there's a power that happens from your hand through your brain. And you start to really distill what really happened and to see it as an observer. And I, I will say really quickly, write it in the third person. Oh, I have heard that. And so tell me why you think that's important. Well, you know, in neuroscience we, and in positive psychology, we learned that when we write in the third person or speak to ourselves, saying our name in the third person that we activate different parts of our brain but also we create emotional distance so now you can see things from a different perspective and i learned that by accident actually literally because i had an accident in which i was left in a coma for eight days and oh i didn't know that, yeah in that coma actually i was looking at myself as a third party. And I that was the time in which I learned to be still. I was just going and going, trying to please, trying to prove, trying to perform. And as I was quiet in this coma, I understood that I needed to talk to myself in with my name and to say, Elena, you've been through a lot. Mm. Elena, I don't even understand how you've done it. Yeah. Elena, I am sad that you went through that. And when I talk to myself like that, I felt it. And so we don't talk to ourselves enough. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, that can help us process our pain. Wow. And so it, it, that brings me to a few different things. Um, you know, you're one of the most conscientious 
speakers, you're, you're slower in your speech and you're more intentional with your words and how you deliver. And I think that's such a beautiful aspect of you. And so when you tell this story, which I didn't know, and, and I think it's so cool how each of our experiences in life really brings us to all of these realizations and it helps us make these tiny changes um, in how we show up. And so it makes sense then when you had all of this time, this downtime where you had this reflection, you learn to have compassion for yourself and to slow down. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds to me like the process of going slower and maybe, uh, yeah, maybe you could just talk a little bit about that of why you feel that it's important to just slow down a little. Oh, it's so important. And if you know, I have learned that if we don't slow down, we will be slowed down because ah. it, will, it will show up in our body as disease. It will show up in us, in our relationships as dysfunction. It was, it will relate, you know, it was, it will reflect as disconnection. And so we will need to slow down and we won't like it. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yes, you know, I think that the number one takeaway for anyone in listening to us and watching today will be to schedule a daily downtime. Mm -hmm. And I call it my date with pain. Oh, date yeah. with pain. Yes. Because, okay, I would, I would love to know why you came up with that, but I, yes. I'm going to take a guess. Um, because we don't ever fully escape it because that's what life is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I call it the common thread of humanity. Ah, I yeah. like that. You got some yeah. great words, great <laughs> words. Well, and I know that, you know, you specialize with blog creation and content creation with your words and your stories. So, you know, that, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Those are really beautiful words and, and a lot of thought behind that. And I know we've talked a little bit about um, validation. And so I'm going to go to another quick commercial and I would love to jump into, you know, why validation for you and the importance of that. Hello everyone, I am Kim Jacobs, the host of The Kim Jacobs Show, and you all know who's right here with me, Dr. Les Brown. How are you, Dr. Brown? I'm blessed and highly favored. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the time you want to give yourself a competitive edge. If you got a message, you have some knowledge or experience, a story, or if you want to do something adventurous and exciting with your life that can increase your credibility, expose you to millions of people, I'm encouraging you to have your own talk show. I used to have a talk show. That one talk show catapulted me to another level. Now there are more people watching the internet, as you are aware, than television. Yes. Come on, somebody. That's right. After Kim Jacobs, she trained people on how to have their own talk show. She will train you how to do that. And now with me working, partnering with her, now you have the combination of an audience, expansive audience. We have over 4 million people in all of our platforms and the coaching you need to grow your business, to grow your multi-level marketing organization to draw more attention to yourself in this noisy economy. Go ahead, Kim. So in the training that I do, Les, I actually do a six-week training. It's one hour per week. And each week I meet with the individuals one-on-one. -on -one. We go through and we talk about all of the things that's necessary for a show to become a reality. We go from how to actually identify your focus area what's going to be your ideal customer that's going to be tuning in. We'll talk about how to get guests, how to get sponsorship, how to go about getting your lighting, your branding, and your banners, and everything that you need to know. And guess what, Les? 
They right. own their own content at the end of the day. And that's exciting. Now, if you're ready to, to, to create a shift in your business and in your life and increase your cash flow, I want you to go to KimJacobsConsulting.com. It's right there on the screen. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. Right. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs consulting.com. That's Kim Jacobs consulting.com. Did I say Kim Jacobs consulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. That's my story. And that's Kim's story. And we're sticking to it. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Well, Alina, tell me what and why is your passion for validation? Well, you know, validation is key and it's such key because when we look at the, I don't know if you're familiar with Maslow, Abraham Maslow and the hierarchy of needs. And we mm -hmm. look at the pyramid, we know that psychological, um, uh, physiological needs are at the bottom and you need to meet your psycho physiological needs before you can do anything. But then we have our needs of safety. And a lot of times we think of safety as something that is maybe shelter or maybe it's, you know, not being in an unsafe neighborhood or, or something like that, like where your life is threatened. And of course, I, I've been, I've been through those those situations, but that's not what we're talking about with safety. Safety is more than that. Safety is having the opportunity to express your authenticity and to be autonomous. And those are two needs that everybody have has is autonomy and authenticity. As a matter of fact, we started developing that need as a toddler. You see that we start saying no or we start you know, to get out of the crib or whatever that is, but we start to feel like our authentic selves. And without safety, people can't be autonomous and they cannot be authentic. So a lot of times you hear, oh, just be yourself. Oh, just be authentic. Oh, just be vulnerable. And the just is a, is a is, it, let's circle and highlight and underline that just. It is very hard to be authentic or to be yourself or to express yourself when you feel that you're not safe, when you feel that you're not accepted. And I call yes. that the triangle of emotional wholeness. You are seen, safe, and supported. Mm. And so- That's in, really powerful. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about the people in your life that you can just call and tell them what's going on after a hard day, you feel safe with them. But there are some times in which you feel like you have had a hard day and you want to talk, but someone comes to mind and you say, no, they're just going to dismiss it. Mm. No, they're, they're not going to get it. No, they're not going to be there for me or they're just going to motivate me. And this is where motivation and validation <laughs> yeah. come to play. I remember, you know, after I I was kidnapped and I, I, I was almost beaten down to death and people were just so happy that I survived. And they would say, oh my goodness, what a miracle. Oh, I am so grateful that you're alive. And they would say like, oh, wow, what a miracle that you're not pregnant. And oh my you know, what a miracle that he's going to jail. And I didn't feel that it was a miracle. I needed validation 
not motivation. I didn't want to know that everything was going to be okay. I didn't want to know that everything happened for a reason. I mm -hmm. wanted to know that people knew I was in pain and that they felt my pain. And so instead of feeling supported or seen or safe with these people, I isolated myself. Mm -hmm. And I felt so alone, April, and I suffered more than ever, even though I wanted to survive when I was experiencing this torture. After I survived, I regretted it. I wish I would have died because now the people in my life that are supposed to love me, they don't understand the pain that I'm going through. And so I learned that we need to understand people that they're going through pain and they don't need what I call motivational shame. Mm -hmm. They need someone who is present. They don't need you to fix it with positivity. They need you to be present. Oh, yeah. That makes so much sense. And I think so many of us can maybe not relate to anything as extreme, or maybe I could say myself, I can relate to a few things. And, and that makes a lot of sense in how we respond. And, and when people don't do that, and they tell you, oh, yes, thank goodness, it wasn't this. And, yeah. you know, you're still here. It will happen for a reason. Yeah. It, it's not easy to to hear that. And, and so I can see that. And it's a really cool way that you explained that and, you know, bring people to reflect on it that way. And I think that it helps us show up differently to people when they're experiencing trauma. Absolutely. And, and to realize that trauma is whatever they experience that, you know, I always joke and say, if so, if you see someone crying uh, on the side of the road, because they're, you know, a bird just messed up their Ferrari. <laughs> uh, and you think like, oh, my goodness, you know, what is this? You don't know if that was the symbol of his life worthiness mm. because maybe his parents or someone in their life told them they were worth nothing and that was the symbol of their worth yeah. and now they feel that their worth is gone so you never know how someone is experiencing something and it when even when we think that it comes from a privileged space yeah. we have no idea the meaning that they're attaching to it. And so that's where validation comes in. It's like, if you don't understand the meaning that they're attaching to it, you can ask a question and say, oh, you know, I want to understand you, tell me more. Or you could yeah. say, if you do understand, you could say, oh, I'm here for you. Tell me more. Or you could say, that makes sense. Or you could say, I agree if you agree. But the thing is that you don't have to agree. You don't have to understand. You don't have to even see it as they see it. All we must do is, I, I, I say it this way, it's hold them and hold our tongue. Oh, that's great. Hold them and hold your tongue. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Just hold them. Um Give them space to just yeah. be in that moment to feel what they're feeling and experiencing yeah. instead of putting a, a picture to it or, or giving it life in your own eyes mm -hmm. when that's not what it is in their eyes yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I wrote a poetry book and, and people tell me my favorite poem is Invalidated Ballerina because everybody can relate to that ballerina. And one of the things that happens with this ballerina that people tell me really got to them is when people start making it about themselves and they say, I've been through that too, or, oh, I've been through this and it wasn't as bad because we tend to make it about ourselves and don't listen presently to the other person. And like you said, you know, there are three things to presence, three main elements in their safety, silence, and space. Oh. And, and deep down, I feel we're all like, like we've gone over a little bit, still stuck into that, that child, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the little child within us 
where we had that first experience of, you know, this isn't right. Yeah. And wow, what, what great feedback you've given us already, Alina. Um, you know, so I feel like we've gone a lot about, can you tell me a little bit, um, you say here in this article that you've written, validation is the prerequisite for vulnerability. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, we all want to be vulnerable. We all want to express our, our deepest desires and also our deepest pains. And yet when we dare or, or have the courage to express ourselves uh, and we are met with invalidation, then we like just just shut down. So for example, April, if you, I would come to you and say, oh my goodness, April, let me tell you my biggest win. I'm so happy. This was a dream that came true. And you would say something like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> I know that you would never say that, but then I would feel like next time that I have a big win, I'm not going to come to you for validating my hard work or maybe my ethic or maybe how blessed I was. And the same is with pain. If I tell you, oh my goodness, I had, you know, my, my leader said that, or my employee said that, or my son did this, or, you know, whoever it is in your life and, mm -hmm. and I'm venting to you and you don't validate, then I will feel, or maybe you minimize it or dismiss it or say, oh, you're just exaggerating. Oh, I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. Or whatever it is that you say to dismiss what I'm feeling, then it's less likely that I'm going to come to you to vent again. So that's that's how we invite people to connect with us is through validating them. And John Gottman from the Gottman Institute, he says, um, he, he talks about bids for connection. And that's something that I live by in my home and in all my relationships. People will come to you with silly things that they're going to say and little you know, ways that they want to connect with you and how you respond to those bits for connection is going to really dictate how connected you're going to be. So if someone says, oh my goodness, you know, your blouse looks great and you kind of dismiss it, then, then that's a missed opportunity for us to connect. But if you embrace it, uh, or even if I were to say, you know, my I have a, a stain here and you're like, oh, Alina, you and your, and your stains, you know, <laughs> I would, I would uh, be adversarial to a relationship versus if you said, oh, let me see. And it takes one second and then we move on and we're more connected. And I see you as a person that I can trust, that I can rely on, mm -hmm. that's got my back because I feel what? Seeing, safe and supported. Yeah. So could you give me a couple more examples of invalidation so we can put a little more contrast to this? Oh, I love that you asked that because there are so many face phrases that we think are motivational that are actually invalidating. And, uh, you know, some of those things can be just as simple as you'll be fine. How many, how many times have you heard that one? Yeah. Or you've got this. Sometimes, you know, you scroll through the motivational Monday. Break yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you know, I tell you my, my pain and you tell me that you'll, that I'll be fine and that I've got this, but really yeah. I'm telling you that I don't feel like I got this. And so first you got to hear me out. You got to say, wow, I understand how you're feeling. And then we can move on because it's a pyramid, right? Unless yeah. we, you know, if I'm hungry and 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 I'm cold, I'm not going to listen to you. You put a code on me. Now I'm listening a little more. Now you, you make me safe emotionally. I'm listening even more. Then you can build my self-esteem. But if, if I'm starving for safety emotionally and for food and my belly's rumbling, I'm not listening. So that's why we need to meet our needs, our safety needs before people motivate us. But there's also, you know, 
other ways like it's not a big deal it could be worse mm -hmm. uh you know i i know that many parents in my network uh some of them used to motivate their child to eat saying that there were starving children oh, in other places, right and it's like that doesn't mean that I like broccoli yet. That doesn't make me like broccoli. <laughs> yeah. And they ask me, why do your girls love broccoli? I, I didn't shame them into liking yeah. broccoli. And so we mm -hmm. shame people into wanting to be grateful or wanting to bypass mm -hmm. their pain. And that's not where they need to be. First, you need to say, oh my goodness, I don't know what it feels like to have a miscarriage. And I, I've said that to my... I'm so sad that you're sad and and I feel my heart is breaking for what you're feeling right now. And I will never understand it because I will, you know, probably not be pregnant again. Yeah. But oh my goodness, your tears break my heart. The fact that you're hopeless is just sad to me. And that's all they need to hear. I don't need to know and, and I don't need to tell them that, you know, some people come to the network and say, Oh, they told me I'll have more children, or they told me I already have children, or they told me maybe that's God's will. And mm -hmm. that doesn't make them feel any better. Right. But if you hold them, if you give them a virtual hug, if you say something that you're there for them, or that you just are sad that they're sad, that you're just sharing that burden, or that you're there if they need anything, that's all you need. And, and hold your tongue and don't say those motivational things that, that maybe they would be okay for you, but you don't know how they'll land on the other end. They could be really lethal. Because I remember when people wanted to motivate me, I actually felt like I wanted to die. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'll say... Go ahead. Yeah, I'll say, you know, bring it back to the daily date with pain that we're talking about. Yeah. Because this is not something that we know. We don't do it on purpose, right? And right, so no. The reason that we do it is because we're not comfortable with our own pain. So we're not comfortable with somebody else's pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's why every single day I have this daily date with pain. It takes two minutes, April. So everyone can do this right? We spend more time scrolling social media. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, Jill Bolte-Taylor, uh, she has the 90-second rule. It means that 90 seconds is all it takes for us to process an emotion. Mm -hmm. So what you do in your daily date with pain is 90 seconds of pain and 30 seconds of validation. And in those 90 seconds, uh, there are three steps really quickly. See, sense, and say. You see what happened, whether it was a, as a child or yesterday at work. You see it in your mind, right? You sense it in your body. You find where it's showing up. Maybe it's a lump in your throat, a emptiness mm -hmm. in your stomach. You know, your shoulders go lump, whatever it is. And then the third is you say validating words. And it's like, wow, Elena, that was so hard for you. Oh, Helena, of course you reacted that way. I forgive you. Oh, my goodness, I am here for you, Helena. And you just talk in the third person like we talked about. And as we learn to be there for our pain, then we'll learn to be there for other people's pain because it catches us off guard. And we, want, we, want, we mean well, but mm -hmm. we need to always be clear that intent doesn't always translate to impact. I can mean something really well when I'm talking to you, April, and the impact could be a hundred, a thousand percent different. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've you've opened my eyes to a lot of different things that I never really thought about or viewed it that way. So you have so many great uh, tips and tricks. And like I just said, just ways of looking at things differently and so um, I will definitely let the audience know how they can find these resources because I'm over here taking a ton of notes. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm, you know, it'd be great to share 
where they can find this. I know that you have written a lot of blogs on these things. So, um, and then you have that amazing community of people who can truly be involved. And um, I, as I, as we were, we've been talking, I, I want to go back a little bit about when you talk about being seen, safe, and supported, and when we go to the safe mode and how you said safety is not what you think it is, um, but also this, and you talked about the safety is us being um, authentic in our authenticity and autonomy. So, you know, as you are a speaker, and you have spoken on so many stages. I'd love to know when was the point when you had this understanding or you were brave enough to feel safe enough to go out and speak to massive audiences? Wow, that's a, such a powerful question. You know, um, I remember starting to write my blog posts and wanting to share the things that I was learning on my journey to becoming what I called a positive mom with my audience. And, and I did that for a while and I became really successful, won awards, and it was really powerful. And I would sit and pour my heart and just be on my keyboard and kind of close my eyes and push publish. And my blog was so popular. And yet I was terrified of speaking in public, <laughs> you know? So it takes a, a different level of safety within yourself. But I think that was that was the, the safety that I needed to first take it out of my brain, take it out of my heart, take it out of the woundedness of my childhood uh, and just be safe enough to write it on my journal first, write my poetry, then publish it as a blog post. So it's really working up baby steps. Because I think that in order for you to step into an audience of, you know, maybe 10,000 people, which is, you know, I've done that before, and sharing everything that's in your heart with them, you got to have some basis and you got to be graceful. We got to have grace to ourselves and not push ourselves into situations that are threatening to us. When we've been through any trauma, the number one byproduct of that is going to be that we don't trust or that we feel threatened in situations that other people don't find threatening or that they find easy to navigate. So I think that it was being compassionate with myself, April, that allowed me to work up to that moment. It, it allowed me to say, I'm going to do this at my own pace. I'm going to do it in my own way. And I'm... I. I kept doing what I needed to do to work, you know, go up that ladder. So it's not like I, I stuck. I, it was it took a lot of courage, mm -hmm. but not a jump so high that I would feel depleted and that I would feel terrified and that I would feel like I betrayed that sense of safety. So safety takes time and it takes little steps of confirmation. Okay, I didn't die. Norm, you know, normally, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't die. I could do it again, and I could maybe add a little bit more risk to this. But being really, really uh, compassionate with yourself and understanding mm. that that of course, again, val validating yourself. Of course, this is hard. I, I was, I, I didn't trust. I, I wasn't able to trust the people that cared for me or that were supposed to teach me or whatever that looked like. Wow. Well, oh, I have, I have so many more questions <laughs> and we don't have all of the time, but what I am going to do is we're going to go to our last commercial. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about, again, how healing that was for you to start stepping on stages. And not only that, when you talk about these baby steps, um, I'd love to know where you started, you know, yeah. um, and what stages you, you were first on. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we come back. 
CTR Media Network is now accepting new podcasters to join our growing network that's reaching 350 million global listeners. Have you heard? CTR Media Network offers podcast production, podcast training, distribution, and product placement. Book us for your next event or schedule an interview with CTR Media Network podcasters today. To learn more, go to ctrmedianetwork.com. Okay, we're back. So, I, yeah, I want to go a little bit about, um, you know, the the healing properties of showing up and getting on a stage and telling your story and just being authentic and being, you know, here you go, world. This is yeah. me. And also, and maybe I'm asking too many questions at once, but, <laughs> you know, when you say you just started out in baby steps, what did that look like? Yeah. So, you know, um, the healing power of storytelling is is so, it, it's science proven, by the way. Studies show this over and over and over again, that when you start writing your story and you write it in the third person, you write it in the first person and you write it from a character's point of view. So it could be fictitious and you could, you know, write it in the way that you, you wish it would have gone. When you write about your story, is powerful because you're validating your story. Many times as survivors of trauma or abuse, we're told, well, that didn't happen, or it didn't happen that way, or it wasn't a big deal, and, or, mm -hmm. or they tell us that we're acting like a victim. But the truth is we were victims if we were treated unfairly and it wasn't our fault. So you're, you're really validating that child or that person uh, that you were when that happened every single time you're saying this happened. So that's number one. Number can, two, I, can I just jump in? How common is that where, you know, again, the validation aspect, but when, when people go through such large traumas in their life that, that people tell them, you know, that didn't happen or it's not as bad as you think. Yeah. Yeah. It's really common. As a matter of fact, you know, it's called gaslighting and it is one of the most used tactics by abusers. And, and actually it's a, it's a coping mechanisms for themselves because they don't want to admit that they're, they did something so horrible. So they're always going to deny it. And it's a self-protection. So, so yes, it happens all of the time. It invalidates your experience. And as you start to craft your story and to reconstruct the pieces, and it'll help you remember the details that you need to be that need to come up to be healed. But also, you're rest restating that, and then you're getting validation from other people saying, "Yes, this happened to me too. You're not alone." So when I I'm in my network with my moms, you know, we help each other because we cry all the time and we help each other heal together because you create a community. When you share your story, now you find out that you're not the only person this happened to and that there are other people in this together. And there's someone in the world that understands you. That alone is so powerful. So sharing your story um, even if it's to yourself in the beginning. And that's how I started. I started telling it to myself in the mirror yeah. and, and, and owning it uh, out loud after I wrote it in paper. I started telling it to myself. Then I started telling it to save people, people that would validate me when I told them this story. And then I worked up to going on stages. And, and actually the first stage that I was in, uh, was uh, a little bit of a craziness because I was the social media and brand person for Les Brown. And oh my goodness. Yes, <laughs> I met, a little crazy. Just yeah, yeah. I met him when I was uh, when I was about battling cancer. I've been in remission for 13 years now, and uh, he had been through cancer and was in remission. So I. I wanted him to mentor me. And then he's like, oh, you need to do work for me because I love you. Uh, and I had all the skills that he needed. And so we became friends. And, and during one of the trainings, I was, you know, doing the blogging and the videoing and all of the skills that I have as a social media influencer. And then he called me to the stage to share my story. And I 
was not ready, but you don't say no to Les Brown at his own event. <laughs> so <laughs> and, you appreciated the commercial and you did not have a small start. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And and I had a standing ovation and I just felt the love. Oh, I, I want to cry. I just felt the love of the mm. audience because I, I kept walking and my knees were weak and I was trembling and I kept thinking like, oh, what if I say the wrong thing, my accent? And I, you know, I was self-conscious about my English and I had all these things going on in my head and do I look okay? I yeah. thought I was going to be behind the scenes. And when I got there, and this is, you know, the, the most powerful thing that you'll hear about speaking is that I felt... I focused on them. Yeah. And when I forgot about myself and what I looked like and what I sounded like and what I was going to say, it just flowed. And it was such a beautiful connection. And it was just such a powerful energy in the room. And mm -hmm. everyone was one and everybody could relate. And it was beautiful. And I got hooked, hooked. I was like, I need to do more of this because this is amazing. Mm -hmm. Not that it was not easy i mean that not that it was not difficult yeah. but it, but it was it gave me the a taste of what an impact we make when we step out of our comfort zone we step into a stage you know like this one and we share with others we can literally save lives because there are people that are feeling so alone like i felt on that ground floor that are saying no one gets me no one understands me i'm alone in the world but when they hear these stories they feel like there's hope somebody else made it on the other side and they can too oh that's so cool and it makes me think as we speak you know that I have heard stories from actors and actresses or, or theater um, people who do take the stage and that's exactly it. They are being validated. I mean, when we share our stories to, you know, our friends or family, um, it's so easy for them to be like, mm, yeah, you're going to be okay. It's yeah. fine. But when mm -hmm. we get on that stage, it's, it's, it's a totally different experience yeah. and people somehow have a different reaction to you. Mm -hmm. And and yes, you being the one on stage and the actor absolutely feel that validation because you have people laughing and crying yeah. with you. Yeah. You know, as you act reenact this out and and so yes, um it's all coming together and it all makes sense with that validation aspect. Yeah. So very very good stuff. Um as we come to a close today, I, I want to thank you so much again, and I want to put a little highlights to you, let people know where they can reach you, let them know about the beautiful book that you have written. So before we go there, I want to ask you, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience today? Hmm. Oh my goodness. So many things, but I think it is this uh, little system that I've created for validating communication because it's so easy and anyone can remember it. And it's head, shoulders, knees and toes, eyes and ears and mouth and nose. <laughs> you can remember <laughs> that, right? Uh, head is for remember that everybody has trauma in their brain. Mm -hmm. So whenever you come into contact with someone, there's something that their brain is telling them that com comes from trauma. Shoulders is everybody has a lot of pressure on their shoulders. Knees is whatever they say to you might be a knee-jerk reaction. That doesn't ah, smart. Toes is try to get in their toes. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe you'll understand their pain. And then eyes and ears and mouth and nose is, you know, see it from their point of view. Listen without interruption. And validate kindly and nose <laughs> is a bit for connection might be right under your nose people are trying to connect with you all the time and it just takes a second to acknowledge their win or acknowledge their pain ah uh, beautifully said beautifully said thank you so your book dancing with death 
Reflections from a Student of Pain. Is that available on Amazon? Okay, I'm going to put a link to that in the description for our audience to access. And uh, that book is a poetry book that you've used to process your painful thoughts, memories, and near-death experiences. It contains tips and tools the reader can use to process their pain and improve their understanding of life and death. It also includes prompts to readers, and they can write their reflections or even their own dark poetry. Wow. I still have to get a copy of that. Yes, <laughs> uh, you'll get a signed one. <laughs> oh, yay. Oh, my gosh. That's exciting. Thank you so much. That Thank is you, super cool. Um, truly, that's that, that gives me great joy. And the way that people can contact you, Alina, is at thepositivemom.com. Mm-hmm. where they can find all sorts of blogs and resources and the community and also at the positive mom. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being here on the wellness driven life show. And you are welcome back anytime because oh. I know that we can continue this conversation and go into a lot of other aspects for healing for so many people. So thank you. Thank you for this platform and the difference that you're making with it. Thank you. My pleasure. And for our listeners and our community, as you know, we need to invest in the Wellness Driven Life Show so we can continue to bring all of these beautiful people with their powerful stories, our guests on the show, and to keep the platform running. You can invest in the Wellness Driven Life Show once, weekly, monthly, or annually at Cash App, Venmo, or PayPal. And you can find those within the, within the description. And also you can go to www.thewellnessdrivenlifeshow.com. And if you donate within the website, then you'll get a beautiful email that you'll receive that you can keep for your records. So again, I just want to thank everyone for showing up. And for those of you who happen to be watching the replay, if you have any questions or comments, you can still put them in the comment section below and we will get back to you in the future. So goodbye for now and we will see you next week. Happy Friday.